Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another special edition of the Foyer Steams Fire American Soccer Show as the United States, <coughs> excuse me, on a come-from-behind victory at Lower.com Field in Columbus, Ohio, defeats Costa Rica by a final of two goals to one, uh, a lineup that uh, basically almost mirrored the same lineup that we saw in Austin, Texas, with a bit of a switch, goalkeeper, switch, and it's just one of those things where I'm going to start it off, Kardik, uh, and of course, Kardik Krishnar of World Soccer Talk joins me. Before I want to get about the match, Kardik, I, I have to get this off my chest because this is something that I am not happy about that costed the start of the match for the United States in the opening minute of this important World Cup qualifier. I don't care if Greg Berhalter believes that Zach Steffen is the overall number one goalkeeper for this U.S. men's national team. I do not care. Do not care if he thinks Zach Steffen deserves an opportunity because we're they're back in Columbus. I do not care. Zach Steffen has never played a single minute of Premier League action. Okay, fine. He's played in two games. What? In the leagues in, in the League Cup? Really? Is that what we're basing it on? You want to give someone like Matt Turner a break? Then you put in a keeper like Sean Johnson who has had starting minutes at NYCFC, and you let him play. Regardless where he plays, Sean Johnson, regardless of where Matt Turner plays, if they are the starting goalkeepers for their respective clubs, whether it be in MLS or in Europe or anywhere abroad, then they are the starting goalkeeper for this national team. That opening goal for Costa Rica, by Costa Rica, was an absolute sham. To see Zach Steffen run off his line, forcing himself, of course, out of his area, heads the ball away, Costa Rica absolutely takes advantage of it. And what did they do? As soon as Zach Steffen does get back to his goal line, they he gets scored on. If it's not for this national team, and for these players to fight back, fight back hard, a brilliant goal by Dest, an excellent opportunity by Tim Weah to get the full three points, Greg Berhalter is having not only egg on his face, but in my view, the man should never be managing the national team again and does not deserve to be managing against the biggest rivals that we've had. He did not deserve does not deserve to be the manager, the head coach against Mexico for the third time this calendar year. Carter Krishnire, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I just tweeted, uh, and I make a habit of not tweeting during U.S. games, as I think some many of our listeners know. I just tweeted at full time that uh, Verhalter got away with Stefan. To me, it was a fireable offense. Uh, he, he's, he's very fortunate. Uh, that the U.S. didn't lose today. So, first of all, you mentioned the first minute, Stefan concedes that goal. Um, there was a potential penalty for Costa Rica um, late first half. I, I, you know, that was tough for Stefan to stop. And honestly, I don't. I, was it Miles Robinson? Who was it that chased down uh, Brian Ruiz? Because if it's Ru- Brian Ruiz one-on-one with Zach Stefan, I think we Chris know. Chris Richards. Um, yeah, it was Richards. Okay. Because we know Ruiz is going to place down Stefan's going to be, he would have been 2-2 at that point. So, um, or 2-1, I guess. It was 1-1 at that point. Let me, those who don't follow Manchester City the way I do, obviously I'm a Manchester City supporter, 
Uh, I've even written a book about the club. So Zach Steffen last year got a Premier League start against Chelsea when Ederson had COVID-19. In the first minute, uh, first few minutes, Steffen comes charging out of his box, handles the ball outside the area, uh, was lucky he wasn't uh, 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 sent off, arguably. And then Stefan starts in the FA Cup, which, by the way, was the same commentators, John Champion and, and, and Taylor Twelman, uh, for that match. And Twelman was on Stefan that whole game, that whole FA Cup semifinal between Chelsea and Manchester City for Stefan's poor positioning. They both went to Maryland, by the way. Uh, just for a little backstory there, Twelman and, and Stefan. And then Stefan gave up an incredibly soft goal to Hakeem Ziyech because he was poorly positioned. I, I do not know. I don't have an explanation for Stefan starting today other than the game being in Columbus. I, I was shocked, uh, Daniel, when I saw that team sheet. But then I thought, okay, it's a hometown thing. Obviously, Zardes is starting. Well, no, Zardes wasn't starting. So, Verhalter um, absolutely got away with it. Uh, the U.S. chased this game down, showed a lot of character. Uh, but very easily, you know, one or two bounces, like we said, uh, the Ruiz, uh, Richards doesn't, doesn't chase him down. Ruiz is one-on-one with Stefan. He's going to score. Um, and then also that 50-50 call, which uh, um, we got, right, uh, on that tackle in, in, in the area, which uh, um, could have been a penalty. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that was a very, very poor decision. Um, I also think the other thing that, to me, uh, was concerning today with Weston McKinney's play. I thought he was he, – he, kind of, he made some very bad decisions on the ball. Uh, he gave the ball away a few times, some heavy touches. But, um, but bottom line takeaway, Daniel, you and I have talked about this over and over again uh, for at least a year now. I think going back actually to the 2019 Gold Cup when he wasn't available because of his injury, Kyle Adams is the most important on this national team. As he goes, goes the national team. So if he's fit and he's, he's playing like a true number six with the captain's armband, which I like tonight, him wearing the armband, I think the U.S. have a very good shot to beat anyone in CONCACAF. Uh, when he's not fit, when you're playing, doing other things in the midfield, playing Acosta there or whoever, um, I thought Acosta actually is pretty good against Jamaica, but he wasn't good down in Panama. Um, then it's a, it, it, it's a coin toss whether the U.S. can beat uh, other teams in CONCACAF. I mean, I think Costa Rica is at the end of their cycle. They're not going to make it this time. I think Honduras is pretty poor. Uh, but the other five teams, uh, we have to go down to the office in the next uh, international break. That's not going to be an easy game down in, in Kingston. We've got to play Mexico, who obviously are at the same level as we are. Canada and Panama are pretty close to our level. So uh, I don't want to see a game against Panama at home or at Canada without Tyler Adams. I think that would be a problem. And uh, the only game maybe we can get away with it is, is Honduras at home. That's the only really easy game remaining on the docket. Um, I, I, I guess so, Cardiff, but the truth is I don't, I don't know what's an easy game. I don't know what's a hard game anymore because I'm telling you right now what I saw out there in this match um, – Look, this, this, this team is going to make mistakes. We know they're still young. We know that they're maturing in front of our eyes. And to see a player like Serginho Dest, who absolutely bombed that ball and bent it into the upper 90 far corner, was an absolute thing of beauty. And then, of course, Tim Weah in the second half, how he smacked that ball one time, didn't even take a touch. And the best thing, he didn't, he didn't take a touch because – there's no way that ball would have gone into the back of the net the way it did. But at the same time, if Kaylor Navas does not pick up an injury and is forced to be subbed out of oh, the right, game, right, right. Uh, you know, uh, this I, is I, I over at 1-1. Yeah. I mean, this is a 1-1 match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's exa- absolutely so, right, Daniel. Sorry, I forgot that. Kaylor Navas, who is the mm-hmm. best player this region has produced in the last decade. I mean, now I guess Alfonso Davies is better, but... You know, for over the course of the last decade, Navas is the, the man. He's been, he's been the ambassador for CONCACAF. Him going out at halftime changed the game, right? Because he doesn't, he doesn't make that mistake if in your post on, on, on the way of shot. Um, now, I think Costa Rica had some really suspect defending to let Wea in to begin with, and that was a well-worked move by us. But, yeah, it's a save if it's Navas, <laughs> right? And, and Navas probably doesn't right. beat uh, again. So, yeah, I mean, again – this is the thing that's, that's disheartening 
I am saying Costa Rica is at the end of their cycle, and they didn't have their main man in the second half, and yet we still made hard work of it. And I think we made hard work of it because we, we picked the wrong keep and we gold the first minute. And like I said, there have been these games at Manchester City. He hasn't played much at Manchester City, as you said, Daniel, but when he has played, he's been making mistakes, Stefan. And, he, and there was another, um, when it was 1-0 Costa Rica, Stefan almost gave the ball away uh, when he was being pressed high. Uh, I, uh, and I, I, my, I was holding my breath. Now, I know there are people who are and have an agenda or, or, or they just have a different opinion than we do who think that we, uh, we are uh, too biased towards Matt Turner. But I think he has, get, he has earned the number one shirt. And the idea of swapping in a World Cup qualifier, this isn't like when um, Jurgen Klinsmann and Bruce Arena had two number ones effectively in Brad Guzan and, um, and Tim Howard and were swapping them in every game. Remember, that was going on for a while. And then Guzan got the game down in Mexico in 2013 and kept the clean sheet. This isn't like that. This isn't like a situation where you had Howard starting at Everton and Guzan at Aston Villa, and we were openly debating who the better keeper was. I was actually in the Guzan camp at the time. I said, hey, I know Howard's the number one. I know he's been the man, but what I see from Guzan every week in the Premier League I, I, I give him a slight edge. They were really 1A and 1B, right? It's not like that now. Turner has been starting consistently this year. He's had a great season at the club level. I would even argue Turner was called into the national team much later than he should have been, that he should have been given caps. We, we were talking about him when he was playing well for New England um, uh, right at the end of the Brad Friedel tenure, beginning of the Bruce Arena tenure. Why isn't Burhalter calling him in for these friendlies? Why does he keep going with uh, with the guys he's going with, and uh, which was usually Stefan or, or, or um, Ethan Horvath. Uh, and the reality of the situation is that now he finally got a chance. He's earned the number one shirt. He's played every minute in qualifying. He played every minute of the Gold Cup, which we won. And then there's this incredible decision tonight that I'm still trying to get my head around. So, yeah. The fact is, um, because of that decision, Costa Rica would have gotten, come away with a point uh, if Taylor Navas had not gotten hurt. That's the bottom line. And I, I think they're right about that, Daniel. I'm sorry I forgot that. No, that's okay. I mean, look, and first things first, unfortunately, I got kicked off of uh, by Skype, but I'm back on. But anyway, you know, the, the truth of the matter is this, Cardick, is that this should not be an agenda of, well, how many MLS players are on the roster and how yeah. many European-based players are on the roster. This is where – and I've been, I've been reading all of this, like, on Twitter, you know, Facebook. I, I've been reading everyone's comments and, and, and internal fighting of what's going on here. I want people to have a full, firm understanding of the situation. It should not matter where the player comes from. It should not matter where – and what club they come from. Because the point is, is this. If these players, and we're talking about Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams, we're also talking about, you know, Miles Robinson, we're talking about Matt Turner, we're also talking about a bunch of players that had to get their career started somewhere. And that somewhere has to be Major League Soccer, the USL Championship, USL League One, USL whatever league, you know, any leagues going on in the United States. Do you want our best players in MLS to make the next move and go straight to Europe? Well, if you're not Christian Pulisic, who already had a European passport to go automatically and play in the Bundesliga, now with Chelsea, guess what? These players have to play somewhere. They have to play somewhere. And if they're not going to get the minutes at an MLS club, well, that means they've got to find a new line of work. This precious national team that all of these people want to have every single player playing in Europe or playing in a better footballing nation on this globe and not an MLS, where do they need to go and play first? Because unless they get discovered right off the bat, then they're the most luckiest players that we have to be on the national team. If not, but they're not even going to get discovered because 
They'll get discovered, but they'll have to stay in the U.S. till they're 18. I mean, the thing that, that galls me about this whole MLS versus Europe debate, and then when people were trying to tell me two years ago that Christian Pulisic had already accomplished more than Clint Dempsey, and then they would make the argument, oh, well, Clint Dempsey didn't leave MLS till he was 23 or whatever his age was. 20, I think he was 22 or 23. They would make these inane arguments. They don't even understand basic European immigration law. Okay, they act like they're such experts on this sport and on the on the way the things of what what goes on at the European club level, and they don't even realize 90% of the Americans, unless they have a dual dual, dual, dual national and have an EU passport, can't get over there. And actually, English now the English uh, if you have a UK passport, you're not going to be able to get there either. So um, the other point about this that's really disturbing, Daniel, is the is the lack of understanding of what actually goes on at the European club level that a lot of U.S. national team fans have shown in the last week. They do not – They, I think they just see clips of our guys uh, over there in Europe, and they make wild assumptions about how good our guys are based on those clips rather than watching games in context, rather than uh, quite comprehending that there are ups and downs. I mean, I, I've seen Christian Pulisic have plenty of bad games at both – Borussia Dortmund and Chelsea. I've seen Weston McKinney have some terrible games. Uh, and in fairness, Tyler Adams have Tyler Adams had a terrible game a couple weeks ago. Uh, and Jesse, who you know, loves him. I had to pull him in that game. So, you know, it's hit or miss. I mean, if guys are playing consistently well um, in MLS, they have to get a look. They have to be in the mix. If they have a skill set or a freshness that our other guys don't have, I mean, I, I Chris Richards made the tackle, as he pointed out to me on, on Ruiz, so credit to him. But he made several mistakes in the first half. And all week I was hearing about how he should be starting on the national team. How could Walker Zimmerman play an MLS start? Uh, why isn't Richards starting? And I didn't want to point out to these people that, you know, I watched Hoffenheim. I think Richards has had some very good games. I also think that he's, he's in a team that um, also concedes a lot of goals in the Bundesliga. And he's a starting center back. So he's in teams that can't keep clean sheets. I know it's a, it's a better league than MLS, but, I, you know, sometimes when you're in a team like Hoffenheim that's, that's, that's winning games 3-2 or 2-1 or drawing 2-2, there isn't as much of a premium on, on not conceding. Look, out, outside of John Brooks, who I think has been amazing, Although it seems to always be heard, unfortunately, when the national team needs them. But well, I think it's been amazing the last year for Wolfsburg. And um, Brendan Aronson, who's been really good the last nine months for Salzburg, I don't think there's a guy, an American player in Europe, that's consistently as good as many of our fans think they are. Yes. Those guys are automatically penciled in by a number of our fans over any MLS player. And, and you get all these, like, strange comparisons, Daniel, where people are saying, oh, well, Burhofer starts seven MLS guys today. So that's why we're going to lose. So I, I, I don't know. I don't have any time for these sorts of, this sort of nonsense anymore. I just want to see the best team, the best combination of players, and the best guys who work well together. I don't care where they play. Me neither. I don't care either. As long as they're doing well, whether they are in MLS or at their clubs over in Europe or in South America or wherever they're applying their trade, all you want is to see these players doing well and getting getting the proper minutes to play hard. That's all you want them to do and to have a domination on the pitch, period. That's all. I mean, people should be happy, at least happy. Do you know – what happened to Clint Mathis after he left the Metro Stars? He went to Hanover. He went to Hanover <clears throat> to be uh, an attacking player. The manager liked Clint Mathis. He wanted Clint Mathis to do well. He wanted him to be uh, a strong offensive weapon. And then all of a sudden, you know, you could probably talk to um, Chirundolo about this because he is the mayor of Hanover, you know, playing there as a, you know, a backliner, defender, and everything. But, you know, when they changed managers, the manager who basically felt Americans can't play attacking football, so he sat Clint down. And what happened yeah. when he finally was forced to use Clint Mathis in a match? Clint scored. 
And then what did Clint do? He tapped his wrist to pretend he had a watch on to say, it's about damn time you've used me. And then he got kicked off of Hanover because he, he, he embarrassed the manager. He embarrassed the gaffer. Josie Altador was supposed to be a promising uh, national team player, a promising player through the Red Bulls Academy was showing plenty of promise when he was playing in MLS, scoring amazing goals, doing everything possible, and then Villarreal brought him over to La Liga. They originally wanted to send him out on loan within Spain, but what did they do? They kept him on the bench. They never used him. They, at times, scratched him from the 18-man roster. And then all of a sudden, after like more than half a season at Villarreal, then they loaned him out to a club where all of a sudden that club took him in and they were fighting for promotion from B to, to La Liga. And then you saw Josie Altador bouncing all over the place. I mean, come on. People have to understand. And this is what people don't want to understand, Cardick. And then we'll finish off this little this little tangent here, is that at the time, back then, it was about depth chart and not believing in attacking American players. If you were a goalkeeper, a defender, a defensive midfielder, you were considered a most valuable player because you're an American because you believe in defense. Attacking-wise, yeah. not so much. Now, we should be grateful, absolutely grateful, that we have these players now that play in MLS or play at an MLS academy, and then they've been recognized. I mean, look at Giovanni Reina. Who was his father? Everybody knows who Gio's father is, Claudio. And that's why he's over at Bayern, excuse me, Borussia Dortmund right now, playing with Erwin Holland, playing with Holland right now. I know he's injured at the moment, but still, though, what did Holland call Giovanni Reina after a match? The American dream. We should be yeah. fortunate and lucky that we have players in Europe, especially at the time, Conrad De La Fuente, even though he's not there anymore now at Barcelona. I know Dest is there, but Dest, let's be honest with ourselves here. Dest has an American parent, and his other parent is, is, is Dutch. He's really more Dutch than American. He just chose to play for, the Amer for, our, for our national team because there's too many players in front of him at, at the Orange to be uh, a, a Dutch national team player. Uh, and, he, and, he couldn't wait. And turn this on deck, um, I think Greg Berhalter, I know, again, you know, Berhalter coached in MLS, so all these, uh, all these people who hate MLS, uh, make the point that he's an MLS guy. Well, Sergio Dett, uh, I, I, we talked about this on previous shows, uh, Daniel, that Berhalter played uh, much of his career in the Netherlands uh, and has a very Dutch mindset when it comes to this sport. That's why the U.S. is, that if you want to look at a club team that uh, plays the way Berhalter wants the U.S. to play, uh, it's Ajax of Amsterdam. And so he's taken a lot of the tactical setup out of Ajax. Now, what youth system did Serginho Dest come out of? Ajax. So yep. I think he plays – I think there's no chance Serginho Dest commits to the U.S., even if he's down the depth chart for Holland, if Greg Berhalter isn't the manager. So while you and I have been very critical of the hiring process of Greg Berhalter, I am objective enough and pragmatic enough to see, to see that, the, that, that, that the guy who scored the wonder goal tonight, the guy who's starting as a left back, right back for Barcelona, now that Emerson Royale has been sold to Tottenham, that guy is not playing for the United States if it isn't for Greg Berhalter. One more point on Clint Mathis. Clint Mathis and Steve Carundolo, um played for Hanover. The guy who kept Clint Mathis out of the lineup at Hanover for much of that time was a guy named Thomas Christensen, who, by the way, is the coach of Panama now. So uh, I had a bunch of U.S. men's national team uh, people tell me, oh, uh, you know, fans, these crazy, these crazy fans, the ones I've been getting on the last few days, that, like, Panama has some no-name coach. I'm like, he, had, he was the top scorer in the Bundesliga one year. He just coached Leeds United. What are you talking about? So I think there's also a problem within the fan culture of the U.S. men's national team. Daniel, where we don't respect the opposition in CONCACAF. And to me, that's stunning, considering we didn't qualify for the last World Cup. 
that we have people who are disrespecting Panama, who finished ahead of us, disrespecting Canada, getting angry when I say Alfonso Davies is the best player in the region. I mean, yeah, I don't think that there's a contrary opinion unless you say Taylor Navas, but he's a goalkeeper, right? So, I mean, in terms of field players, Davies is the best. And, and, and I, I just I, – I, our fans don't – then, then they overrate our players in Europe, and they underrate our guys in MLS. Um, the, the guys in MLS that have been particularly useful for this national team, like Pepe, um, I would say Zardes, too, although Zardes gets a really bad reputation from these same group of fans. Um, guy like Walker Zimmerman, who I think had a very good game, um, a pretty good game. I won't say a very good game. No one had a very good game down in Panama, but had uh, a better game than, than the other guys on the back line. They're never given any credit, right? That's right. Isn't given the credit that Zach Stefan would be given if Stefan had the kind of games Turner's had. So, look, I'm a critic of MLS. Everyone knows that. You know, I worked in NASL. I'm very critical of single entity. I want Pharrell. But that doesn't mean I have to say that every guy who comes out of MLS is a bum, and I want the league to go away. And uh, I think Burhalter fights with MLS because I don't believe in it. I don't believe any of that stuff. In fact, I think Burhalter is, if anything, very careful about picking guys out of MLS. You could make you could make an argument. Uh, guys like Russell Caduce, uh Christian Roldan, Roldan's in this team, but um, those guys aren't getting enough of a look. You can make that argument. I, you can make an argument about many things. Many things. I mean, I, I can go ahead and say, you know, Julian Gressel, who's now been given an opportunity to do well at D.C. United as well, I mean, maybe he deserves an opportunity. I mean, I don't believe that all the way yet because he, I think he still needs to show more. But at the moment, he's put D.C. United uh, on I'd his like back. I'd, I'd like to see Gressel, actually. Um, I agree. Yeah, go go on. No, I'm just saying. I would. I mean, you know. I, I mean, he's putting DC on his back right now, and they're trying to remain uh, above a playoff line for a playoff spot. <laughs> there are many players right now in MLS that could easily fight for a national team spot right about now. But like you said, Craig's got to be careful. And fine, I understand he's got to be careful. I understand he has to, you know, be you know political about his roster and his. And his decisions, but like I said before at the start of the match, what he should not have done, should never have done, and I'm and even Bob Bradley was a little bit guilty of this when he was manager of the men's national team. I mean, he's still a great coach. I have complete respect for Bob Bradley, but when Josie Altidore was not getting any consistent minutes in Villarreal, Bob Bradley continued to put Josie Altidore into the starting lineup of these World Cup qualifiers, whether it be in the semifinal round or the final round in the hex. And I kept saying this over and over and over. Bob, I respect you. Bob, you're a great coach. I, 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 I have nothing but the best of respect for you. But please, Bob, please bring Altidore on the pitch as a substitute, not as a starter, because he's not getting minutes of Villarreal, and you don't want to see him get injured. What happened with Zach Steffen in the CONCACAF Nations League final? He got injured halfway through the second half, and it took another goalkeeper, Ethan Horvath, to come in, who's not getting, who's getting no minutes in Belgium at all, and he's not getting yeah. minutes now at Forest. I mean, why, yeah, exactly. how is this not so easy to compute? Yeah, look, he, he's not getting... He, he, He's not getting minutes at Forrest, right? And, and uh, obviously, Stefan is not getting minutes uh, at Manchester City. I, I mean, I'll tell you, I'm nervous anytime Ederson's not, not able to play as a City supporter. I don't have much faith in Stefan. I thought Stefan had a good year of the year he was loaned to Fortuna Dusseldorf. But um, I, I see too many mistakes from him, both at City in his limited playing time and with the national team. I um I, I I think you also have to look at circumstances for these guys, okay? And, and to me, there are teams that are relying on American players, whether they be in MLS or in Europe, to help carry them. 
and those teams, those players are in a, in a better position than to impact the national team. Guys who might be on teams but might be passengers on those teams don't necessarily need to start. To be a little bit more stable. And not yep, exactly. Exactly, Cardick. I mean, you know, it's a situation where we cannot – beggars cannot be choosers. Whoever gets picked – to be on the national team, those are the players that put on the shirt. Those are the players that defend the flag. Those are the players that everyone must be on board with, whether you like it or not, period. But other than that, I want to get back to the match. And, and the match is, is this. Really simply put is that in this game, the USA players, after they took the punch in the mouth – Give them credit. They they fought back. They fought back hard. Um, some defending issues, obviously, still going on. But in all fairness, Cardick, and to be honest, you just have to say that these kids are starting to improve on the world stage. This is higher and more intense than a Gold Cup tournament, than the, a short Nations League situation in the semis yeah. and final. And right now, we're seeing these players that do apply their trade either in Europe or in MLS understand that, you know, when you get knocked down, you get knocked down hard. And when you're fighting hard and you're clawing and scratching to get out of the hole, you come up big with a fantastic moment. And that started with Serginho Dest. That goal, the, uh, the nice transition of moving that ball up the field from Stefan all the way to Weya, and then he overcrossed it to Musa, who saved it, found Dest, walks the tightrope, bends that, bends that ball past Kayla Navas, and that is how you do it in a World Cup qualifier. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I agree, and I, I, the thing I like – so let's get back to Greg Berhalter's system and Serginho Dest because I think, again, we have too many fans that aren't watching, aren't really kind of grasping what the larger, the, the, the longer-term plan is. And I do respect the fact that we didn't qualify for the last World Cup and they're very nervous about uh, qualification for this World Cup and are looking one game at a time. I do have to respect that. But the larger plan in the way Berhalter plays is really based around the movement of the fullback. As I said, Serginho Dest came through the Ajax system. If there's a club team that most closely resembles Burhalter's system, it's Ajax. And again, I know uh, all these uh, uh, critical fans say Burhalter is, uh, um, is an MLS guy. Uh, he's playing MLS tactics. No, he's not. They're, they're very clear. There's a very clear Dutch influence, actually, with Ernie Stewart at the top, and Burhalter is the head coach. So, Part of what you see in the Ajax system is not only overlapping fullbacks, which you see a lot of in England. And Anthony Robinson is really good at that. He played in a, uh, he's been playing in a, in a wing-back role with Fulham. He did under Scott Parker. This year under Marcus Silva, they played some four at the back. They played some three at the back. But he's, he's very good at the overlapping runs. Traditional English fullback uh, is Robinson. But Dest is a guy that can make you run inside. So one of, the, one of the really interesting things you saw tonight was Dest, um, and this is something Pep Guardiola likes also. He picked it up from Johan Cruyff, another Dutch another uh, legend, obviously. Um, having your fullback make these runs that aren't necessarily overlapping runs on the inside, but having um, your wide midfielder or your wide attacking player, if it's a 4-3-3, like what the U.S. is playing tonight, and it ended up being Kimi Way on that side. Um, it was supposed to be Ariola. Ariola uh, got hurt before the match. Um, yep. I think that was a pretty big loss. But still, uh, it was Wea who had a, a fairly good game. So Wea's taking taking the defender outside, and instead of overlapping, what you see is Death making these these diagonal runs into space and losing his defender, and there being confusion between the midfielder and because what would happen is that the the fullback would either be put, uh, uh, in a four-man back line. That fullback, the right fullback playing desk position, would either be put, picked, up, picked up by a number six, a left-sided midfielder, or the left back. So when 
Best is making those runs, including the run he the, the, the move he made when he toured the goal. Um, Costa Rica's defense isn't sure who's supposed to pick him up. Ultimately, a center back. Um, well, Mariana went, went with him, right? Who, uh, of course, you've seen a lot of it. You're City FC. Uh, he went with him as the left back, but he was mismatched once he went inside. And um, he, he, he struck the ball beautifully, but he was able to create the space because, again, there's some confusion as to who has to pick him up. Uh, Robinson doesn't make those sorts of runs necessarily on the other flank, but, uh, again, another really good game for Anthony Robinson. That's four games in a row for the National team where he's been really good going up the left side and putting in crosses that are dangerous. I think, it's, um, unfortunately for Robinson, you know, there was no end product uh, with the guys uh, playing centrally today that, that were on the end of his crosses. They, they, but he put in some really good ones. He, he set up Pepe and uh, uh, Zardes when he came on, uh, set, uh, and Aronson once or twice up really well. So, uh, for me, the biggest takeaway today was how good, again, the U.S. fullback play was with Robinson again, uh, in addition to Adams. I uh, I think those three guys are really your key guys. But we had this conversation about Destin Robinson after the game last Wednesday, right? Or last Thursday. Yep. We had the same yep. conversation yep. that those were the two key guys. I would say the same thing tonight. So, unfortunately, when they're not there, we see what happens. We saw what happened in Panama. Love George Bellow. Think he's got a big career in front of him, but he wasn't ready for that for that occasion. And um, and, and with Shaq Moore. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a huge drop-off, too. I mean, he, he, he tried, but you, you need Death on the right and Robinson on the left. And I don't like the idea of moving Death to the left and then playing Joe uh, 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 Scaly on the right, which I know a lot of uh, uh, fans um, are talking about. Scaly's playing well at Mucha Gladbach, but again, you know, all these people who are angry about MLS guys getting kicked are complaining that Scaly's not in the team. I'm not sure where you play Scaly when you have Death. Because uh, I don't like that on the left. And Robinson, who I felt is a good player for many years watching him in England, and he it never translated to the national team until last month, now is fighting his form with the national team. So I don't want to take him out of the team. So I think our two fullbacks are set. So, sorry, Joe Scaly fans. I mean, you'll be good backup for us. Um, but I, I, I like Destin Robinson as a fullback. No, listen, look, I, I mean, I agree with you there. I, I mean, I think right now our fullbacks are on point. I think our center backs are solid as well. Um, yeah. I like what Brendan Aronson has done. I, I'm telling you, Brendan Aronson has been the, probably more of a surprise to me than any of the players right now. Not to say that I didn't expect him to be at this level. I didn't expect him to be at this level so fast. That's where I'm yeah. surprised with Brendan Aronson. I figured, okay, you know, he's done well with the union. He's doing okay. Everything's fine. You know, he goes to Red Bull Salzburg in Austria, in the Austrian Bundesliga. Everything uh, is going to be fine for him. He might take another year or two to go and improve his play. But, I mean, what he has done miraculously – and amazingly, is he's turned on the Jets, and he's become probably a bigger threat in the attack than I ever thought I would see so quickly from him. I, I can't believe he's improved this much, and I cannot believe the jump he has made and what he is showing us right now on the international level. Yeah, yeah I, I think Brendan Aronson has been a revelation. I mean, we saw it. What friendly was it where uh, Pulisic struggled through the first 45 minutes? Aronson came in for his full kind of first-team debut. I know he had played in, like, the MLS friendly, the friendlies with MLS teams, where with MLS guys. Um, and this stole the show in the second 45. Uh, and, I, you know, I'm not, look, I like Pulisic, but everyone thinks I hate him because I'm critical of him. I see the flaws in his game. Um, I had a friend who – you know, was always on me about, oh, you hate Pulisic, you're, you're crazy, you know, you're always attacking him, who texted me during the second half of that game saying, hey, maybe you're right. I, uh, you know, we have a guy who's better than Pulisic, who we just threw on. <laughs> um, of course, I, I said, like, okay, it's his first game, we'll see how it goes. But he hasn't, he hasn't dropped off since, Aronson. I mean, he's no. been 
I, I consistently um, our greatest attacking threat. And it's, it's also, here's the thing about Aaronson. He makes very direct runs into space. And um, my concern is uh, it's more a concern about Reyna than Pulisic. I, I mean, I think we can integrate Pulisic back into a team that's playing vertically. My concern about Reyna is that he might take too many touches. He might slow down the play. Um, but, um, yeah, Aronson was really good tonight. I, I should mention Yudis Muse. Uh, was good tonight too. Oh, he was. Fair amount of at Valencia have not. I thought he's not really progressing at the club level. I haven't been that impressed. I, I was so impressed with him before he committed to the U.S. and said, "Boy, this is a great get." I still still think it's a great get, but he kind of he hit that wall right where he's he's eighteen, he's nineteen. He's like he's already established as a good player, but he's not knocking on to that superstar status. And his, his outings with the national team have been so-so. But today he was really good. He was in control. Um, he was linking the play well, better than McKinney was. I thought, Like I said at the outset, I thought McKinney had a pretty poor game. Um, I would say, though, that Musa, Musa may have looked better today because of Tyler Adams. Tyler Adams' positioning. And here's another thing, uh, Daniel. A year, it, was, it was during the – right after the, the restart of the of all the European League last year um, after COVID. So it's been 15 months ago now or 16 months ago. When I made the comment on Twitter that, that um, Tyler Adams was the smartest American player I've seen in a long time in terms of his positioning sense, um, and he's the best we've got, I had all these people tweeting at me angrily saying that Pulisic was better. When, in fact, I mean, one of my main critiques of Pulisic is that his positioning, his off-the-ball positioning has, has always had some uh, question marks around it. Although I think it's gotten better. But my point was, uh, the, my point was that I thought Adam, particularly for an American player, was really smart about his positioning, like kind of a Makaleli uh, and Golo Conte type. I, I'm not saying he's at that level, but I'm saying like that style player. Um, and he showed it tonight, right? He was always yep. in the right place at the right time because he was reading the game. The game was somewhat slow, right? But so, so easier for him to read than maybe a game in the Bundesliga. But um, I thought he was very good tonight. So uh, my, my takeaway would be, he, would you have Adam sitting in that position, which is why you can never play him at right back also. I think that argument is done. Remember, a year ago, two years ago, we were worried about that, about, uh, about him being played at right back. Um, the game, it's much easier for the other two midfielders. So um, I think I would have liked to have seen maybe in this set of qualifiers uh, what, um, what maybe um, – we would have gotten in a game if we brought Joe Staley uh, instead of Shaq Moore down in, in, in Panama. But otherwise, my questions about the team have pretty much been answered. They're not all positive answers, but I think we know who our best guys are now and what kind of setup we have to go with uh, to win uh, at home in qualifying and, wh- and what we need to do away from home to get a point. Like, so, so like I said, we're going to the office in November, going down to Jamaica. Never been easy for us down there. Um, Never. Uh, yeah, I think we know what we, need, what kind of team we need to set up to at least get a point out of it. And the one thing is this, Cardick, the question is, will there be fans at the office? That's the big question mark, because so far Jamaica has not had any supporters, any fans at their home venue for any of their home World Cup qualifying matches until, I guess, the um, – the office yeah. of uh, health allows fans to enter the stadium. Uh, that might be a rare advantage for the United States to pick up yeah, three points. I, that it was um, it was too easy for Canada the other night. That Canada got out of their withdrawal. Important point for them, and uh, that they, they, there's a very good chance if there's a crowd in Kingston, Jamaica's taking all three points. Uh, that was from a Canadian soccer writer that told me that, that you know, with a very different atmosphere. Well, I mean, obviously, but that he feels like Canada got lucky because there was no crowd there. So we might be in the same fortuitous circumstance. Uh, Jamaica is winning uh, in San Pedro Sula. I'm not that surprised by that right now. Um, if they close that out, they'll get three points. Jamaica had, um, in those first three qualifiers, I throw those out because 
they had uh, they were red, they were a red list country, so they couldn't get and uh, so many of their good players play in England, so they had to play with a B team. Now, so these three qualifiers now are really kind of their first um, first look with their A team, and um, they played us tough for a half. Um, <clears throat> they it sounds like outplayed Canada, and tonight they're they're beating Honduras, so that's not going to be easy. And then obviously we got Mexico also. So we've got two really tough qualifiers in the next uh, the next break. But I think we can breathe now. If we haven't gotten the three points today, and again, as you said, if Navas doesn't get hurt, we probably don't get the three points. Then we're really sweating. Yep. And also, ladies and gentlemen, another scoring update, uh, Canada, Cardic. My God, if you watch the match on Paramount Plus app on your phones, ladies and gentlemen, uh, under the uh, guidance of Mr. Lloyd Sam calling this match uh, through the CONCACAF uh, world feed and through the Paramount Plus app, Canada romping, destroying, burning down Panama four goals to one at a finally a sold-out BMO field. Cardiac, everyone, like you said, they pooed Canada. They didn't expect Canada to be this good. Normally, Canada would not be this good. They can easily beat the minnows, but they, they wouldn't be a big power. Now, they're a power. And, you know, I've been watching them play in World Cup qualifying. I've watched them play in the Gold Cup, in the matches in the Gold Cup, and whether it be in the group stage or the knockout stage. I thought that they were going to destroy Mexico 2-1. Uh, in the semifinals, it didn't happen. But I will say this. John Herdman and all these players in MLS and in abroad, Canada is just flat out becoming a power, and the North Zone will finally be that lock that everyone begged and hoped it would be, including myself. Uh, Don't get me wrong. Mexico, USA, we were always going to be there, but you wanted Canada to join the party. Well, they came to the party, and they came prepared. Yeah, Canada is um, – John Herdman has done such a good job, and I was one of the people – I mean, I even went on a radio show in Canada, uh, embarrassingly. I mean, I don't get – I'm wrong about a lot of things, too. I, I think I, – I tend to think I'm right about more than I'm wrong about, Daniel. But I went on a show in Canada and said, this is what, – what kind of federation is the Canadian Soccer Association to take John Herdeman's threat of, of – because uh, remember, he's English – and the England women's job was down really to him. I mean, when he said no, I think they, they were targeting him or Laura Harvey. When they both said no, Laura Harvey stayed here in NWSL, that's when they turned around and went to Phil Neville. But Herdeman used that England job to say, hey, I want the men's job with the Canadian national team. Said, what kind of federation just does that? And then they moved Octavio Zambrano out of the way. And uh, um, you and I both have a lot of respect for, a lot of time for. Um, yep. And yep. Uh, they put him in the job. Oh, this, is, this is a joke. You know, I don't care if they have all these great young players. They're not going to get anywhere if they operate that way. Well, I was wrong. Herdeman is actually the right guy to develop uh, young players. They got this core now. Uh, look, um, Jonathan Davis, 21. Um, last year, he scored some of the most critical goals as Will won Liga. Alfonso Davies is 20. He's already won the Champions League, starting in the game, unlike Christian Pulisic, right? He had a big impact right. in the final uh, for, for Bayern. He's already won the Bundesliga twice. Uh, he has already um, bro- shattered the transfer record for MLS, although Ricardo Pepe might not be out to break that record. We'll see. Uh, if Pepe is anywhere near the player of, of Brendan Air of uh, Sorry, of uh, of Alfonso Davies, we're, we're, we're in business. And then I think actually I've seen Kyle Larry's game improve since he went to Turkey. Um, and yeah, Mark Anthony K is a player we like a lot. I, I know you and I both like him a lot. I think yep. Tavon Stanton has, uh, has, has gotten better and better. I even like what, what I've seen from Richie Larea uh, during qualifying and during uh, um, Cup competition, among yep. other guys. So I think Canada yep. is solid. Um, Panama is punching a little bit above their weight, but they got they got really um, undone tonight. Uh, that, that's obviously Thomas Christensen's team. 
I still think there's a chance Jamaica could get the fourth. Um, I don't think Costa Rica's strong. El Salvador, I like Hugo Sanchez and what he's doing, but they're limited player-wise. Um, we'll see. Uh, this, this is why I've, I, it was so important to get the three points tonight, because I think the next, uh, the next window with Mexico and Jamaica, uh, we could get two points out of that, right? We might end up drawing both matches. It's possible. I could be. But I think that that's it is, it is conceivable we might only get two points out of, out of that window. So we it still could be. to get the three points right. Yeah. It could be. Well, look, you know, in November on the 12th, everything's going to be uh, in Cincinnati. The pilgrimage for Tosacero will be going to Cincinnati instead of Columbus. And let's be honest, Kardec, uh these guys, now they're going to really – learn a hard lesson when you're taking on a team like Mexico. I don't know if Mexico has the same level of players of now like they have in the past, but I will say this right now. If this, if these young players can go into Cincinnati at TQL Stadium and they can put on a performance that everyone's going to enjoy and love, then, you know, this is going to be a match where our boys are going to feel very strong and happy and then uh, head down to Jamaica. We all know probably Polisic won't be available because he plays in England. Uh, Anthony Robinson will not play because he plays in England, obviously, because, you know, he oh, no, is no. Jamaica, Jamaica's, off the red, Jamaica's off the red list now. So um, we won't have that problem in Jamaica that we have in Canada. If we played Jamaica in the last window, we would have. But, yeah. So Anthony Robinson and Pulisic will both be of and Stefan. Good, but uh, Robinson and Robinson and uh, Pulisic will both be available. Right. Okay. So well, I didn't know they were. I didn't know that they were taken off the red list. So thank you for that information. But you know, once again, um, you know that, and I, I, I'm going to have to go back to a Cardic, and I apologize if I am repeating myself, but that moment in the opening minute was a disaster. A complete and utter disaster that Zach Steffen allowed that goal to happen. And it's not just Steffen who, you know, should be blamed for that completely. It's also the the, the back line that wasn't ready uh, for that moment as well. Because you can tell, regardless of how slow Costa Rica is, and yes, they're on the wrong side of their 30s, in their late 30s, middle to late 30s for Costa Rica, like Ruiz, you know, like Saburio, excuse me, <clears throat> like Saburio, all of the, and, and Watson, and Waston, excuse me, they're still savvy enough where they know they're going to be able to convert a chance, and that's all they needed to convert a chance, and then use their brains to try to frustrate and Try and get our players off their game. Thankfully, that did not happen. But I'm sorry. I'm very, very sorry. Zach Steffen could never have been in goal in this match. Matt Turner did not deserve to be on the bench tonight. He has earned the number one shirt. He has earned his place to be the starting goalkeeper for this national team, and he should have remained in goal all the way. No, absolutely no moment for Stefan to return to Columbus. He was returning to Columbus. He's on the bench, period. If if Matt Turner got injured, then you have no choice. You have no choice unless Matt Turner gets hurt. And he wasn't hurt. This is more a sentimental job by Greg Berhalter to say to Zach, I'm going to give you a wish. You know I'm your former coach here in Columbus. I'm giving you that. I'm giving you the start. That should never have happened. And Zarda, yeah, I, and I, even I, the fans of Columbus that were chanting for Zarda to come into the game, you are tied at 1-1. And you're chanting for one of your players to get subbed in? I'm sorry. I'm going against the fans on this one. You do not beg for Zardes to come on when it's 1-1. When you have a lead, when you have a one or two or three goal lead and you can see that our players are dominating the opposition, 
then you can start chanting for Giassi. But until then, unless it's a tactical move, your request is denied. Yeah, I, I think they thought Darters could come in and get us a goal. I think that's what that was about. But, yeah, I, 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 in principle, I agree with you. I mean, that, that, that should be the determining factor is whether we're winning the game game or not, or whether it's a tactical move. Now, um, I think Zardes certainly is a guy that could help create uh, open space up uh, and, and create maybe another avenue for, as we said, Robinson and, and Dex going forward. But that, um, that, 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 that would be the only circumstance. Not, because, not out of sentiment. And again, um, I, I think the precedent, the wrong precedent was set by uh, um, Verhalter starting um, Zach Steffen. I, I, so are we going to go through this every time somebody hosts a qualifier that we're going to be forced to play a guy that used to play for them Let's say Philly hosts a qualifier. I, well, I mean, I think Aaron should start anyway, so maybe that's a bad example. But uh, if we play in Kansas City, does Bustio have to start because he's a former sporting Kansas City player who's now moved on to Venetia? Does he have to start? That's a precedent that's being set. And I think you get into a dangerous place with that. So I, I do want to hear Burhalter's explanation because again, I think, and I'm taking it on the chin on Twitter the last few days. And I think most of our listeners know for defending some of Burhalter's choices with squad rotation, saying that this is different. The, th- the three internationals in a, in, a, in a break is very different than the, the two that we're accustomed to. So you have to use your squad differently, and we're even seeing European top European countries coming up with some strange results when they rotate their squads, like uh, like. Uh, um, Spain had against Greece, like uh, France had against Ukraine, you know, some very uh, results that wouldn't happen otherwise in a normal window. Um, so I was defending Verhalter, but this, this move was indefensible. This, is a, this, 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 to me, is a borderline fireable offense if it goes badly. If you change keepers and you end up losing that game 1-0 or 2-1 because of the keeper, um, that's that, in, in, in a... It's not a do-or-die qualifier, but getting close to a do-or-die qualifier, where it's coming to that stage of World Cup qualifying, that is a fireable offense. And I don't know why Burhalter would put himself in that position. Why he'd even put us in the position to ask the question. That's what's so surprising to me about this Stefan thing. And we know he handled Stefan at the club level, right? So we know there's right. some sentiment. Um, but I, I don't know why he would put his – he would even open the door for people like you and me who have been, I think, very fair to him, even though, again, I, I, I agree with everybody. You and I went on for a, year, for a year about it, about the hiring process. But that's over with. That's done with. Um, that was done with three years ago. So we've been very fair to him, and I've been very fair to his selections and to his, his squad rotation and defending the MLS guys. So that's why I, I just still think it's kind of – it's a very strange thing that he did this. And I don't know if there was some promise made uh, to Stefan about this game being in Columbus. Um, I don't know. Even before the window, I, I because again, you and I talked about it. Turner kept us in the game down in uh, in Panama. Man, yes, he did. Three or four goals without him. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And I'm telling you right now, Cardick, as we're going to wrap this up as quickly as possible, if I'm going to rate how Greg Berhalter has managed these past six games right now, including tonight, if you're going to rate him 1 to 10 on the job he has done, I'm giving him a 4. I'm giving him a 4. And that 4 is basically roster, tactics, how he starts these matches, and the amount of rotation in the in the lineups, which it had to be done, but seven against Panama, you figured at least three or four, but seven? No, that's way too much. And you can blame it on the players, but the reality is 
it's Berhalter's fault because, first of all, he's lucky enough that he had that he, he recognized the crap that happened down in Honduras, and that he had yeah. to make those substitutions to to save his skin in that second half, and all those subs scored to win it four to one. In the game against Jamaica, excellent tactics, excellent decision on the roster. Terrible uh, Sunday down in Panama, and absolutely a blinding, a blinder of a decision to start Stefan and not keep Matt Turner in goal. That is an absolute disgrace, and I and he needs to do better. He has eight matches remaining, two next month. We get to the new year, end of January, one match in the beginning of February, and then the rest at the end of March. And if this man does not have us qualified for Qatar Kardec, this man should never, ever be a head coach, whether it be in club football or national team football, because in my mind, at this moment in time, he's lucky that we got the necessary points to be in a perfect position to qualify. Because I would have fired him right there. Yeah. So I um I I I think you maybe a tad bit hard on him. I agree. He, he got it wrong in Honduras, uh, and he was lucky at five subs to fix it. I say he got it wrong also uh, against Canada and, and made a couple subs to fix that. Uh, Late on, it was one one when he made those subs actually, and, and, and give us a chance to win. But yeah. Um, I, I, I do think, though, I had him at a six. Uh, there were too many changes in Panama. Well, I still understand the need for changes. I had him at a six. I'm dropping him to five now because of the start of Stefan. I know we got away with it. But I still um, – that, to me, is a real bad judgment call. That's the sort of thing, as I said, is a fireable offense. And he hasn't committed to me any fireable offenses to get in qualifying. I could see the case for not retaining him after qualifying, uh, but I couldn't give you the case for actually firing him in the middle of qualifying until, he, until I saw the team team tonight and saw Stefan overturn. And um, I, I hope that's the last we see of Zach Stefan in qualifying. Because, so if Matt Turner goes down or there's some performance issue, we need to see Sean Johnson next. Um, and uh, it, it, that's it. I mean, I, I don't want to see Zach Stefan get in qualifying. No. No, we can reevaluate Stefan's position after qualifying when we have friendlies going into the World Cup. But that's it. I think that's it for him, for me, in my opinion. Yep. Yep. I don't blame you at all. Clark, as always, thank you very much for joining me tonight, and I hope to get you, you back again as soon as possible. Uh, thanks again for jo- joining me, and um, have a good night, yep. my friend. Yep. Thank you, Daniel. You're welcome. Carter Krishnar of World Soccer Talk joining me tonight to talk about uh, this World Cup qualifiers. The United States come back and defeat Costa Rica by a final of two goals to one. Let's review some scores right now. But currently right now on CBS Sports Network, also your Paramount Plus app, El Salvador hosting Mexico. So we'll see what happens here in this one. It's a sold-out Cruz Catalan Stadium. Uh, down in El Salvador. So we should see a very fun one in this one. And uh, it's once again, you can watch it on CBS Sports Network if your uh, cable provider has it or your dish uh, provider has it. Uh, also, you can watch it on the Paramount Plus app through CBS Sports. And um, other finals right now that have happened, it just ended a couple of minutes ago. Jamaica finally earning. The, a win tonight. They defeat Honduras in Honduras by a final of two goals to nil. So for Jamaica in their sixth match of this octagon, octagonal moment, they have their uh, first three points of this qualifying campaign. And for Honduras... They are now going to be in last place with three points. And once again, everything is getting ready down in El Salvador. Canada destroying, destroyed uh, Panama by a final of four goals to nil. And at the moment, without uh, the results, uh, once again, this match is about to get underway between Mexico down in El Salvador. 
Here are the standings currently, uh, the way it stands, without, uh, which will probably change around midnight Eastern once this match is over with. At the moment, the United States uh, in first place, and uh, Mexico also in uh, second place. Of course, uh, uh, right now the differential, or should I say the goal scored right now is nine. Mexico is eight. Both have 11 points. And uh, at the moment, Mexico is undefeated right now. But as I've said already, they're about to get underway. In third place, Canada with 10 points. Fourth place is Panama with eight. So right now they're in the playoff position. In fifth place, Costa Rica on the loss. They remain with six. El Salvador on uh, has, like I said, they're very about to play. The opening whistle is about to be blown. They have five points. Jamaica now with five points. And um, they're at a minus four, while El Salvador is at a minus three. And once again, that can change once we get to midnight Eastern, uh, 9 p.m. Pacific. And Honduras with the loss to Jamaica. They are now officially in last place with three points. So um, a lot to stomach and a lot to uh, digest, obviously. The first half is underway down at the Estadio Cascustalán. And Mexico in the white, El Salvador in the blue. This is going to be a very interesting situation, and we will see what happens. But once again, a final at Lower.com Field in downtown Columbus, Ohio. The United States defeating Costa Rica in a comeback victory by a final of two goals to one. Once again, thank you to Carter Krishnayer from World Soccer Talk joining me tonight. And we'll be back with regular 14 Fire American Soccer Show on Monday. And then in November, it's USA-Mexico. And we're going back to a regular qualifying window. It is going to be at the PQL Stadium in Cincinnati along the west side. Once again, for Carter Krishnar of World Soccer Talk, I'm Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to us tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care. So long. And bye-bye for now.